At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. This morning, as my wife said, we're continuing in our series just simply entitled Righteousness. I, I know and I'm, I'm convinced of the fact that the two series that we're on right now, on Sundays and on Wednesdays, these two series are vital to not just people's success, but people's connection to God. You know, it, 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 it's, very, it's very easy, actually with anything in life, to be connected and then to drift. To be connected to something, but then to drift away. It's one thing to meet God through salvation, through being born a second time. You're, you were born, you were born, everybody sitting in here today was born once, but then you have to be born a second time to understand why you were really put here, what, who you really are, and what your purpose and plan is. You have to be born a second time. But that's like meeting God, connecting with Him. And people get to know God somewhat through church life and hearing the Word preached, but if people don't learn that just hearing the Word preached is not enough, if you don't take what you hear and do something with it, you'll never grow up and, and, and stay connected or, get, or develop a stronger connection to the God of this world and this system to Jesus who is the head of the church. You, you'll, you'll not stay connected to Him because you have to have revelation. You actually have to have fresh revelation. Um, in the book of Proverbs, um, if you're not reading a proverb every day for this year, I'd encourage you, maybe you started out and Maybe you backed off from it, or maybe you've stayed faithful and steady to it. Keep staying steady to it, and, and allow the, the book of Proverbs to minister to you. There's so many great truths and revelations in the book, uh, in revelation in the book of Proverbs. But I, I want to read this. Um, I want to read this verse to you. What I what I've done in our in our. Uh, connect equip on developing a daily routine. I'm going to talk to you about how that I've built kind of a repertoire of, of going from strength to strength in the things that I, I've heard preached or the things that I've studied or read and, and how I, I've developed and made those part of my life as I've been, as I've gone through as I've read a proverb every day since the beginning of this year, and I've read them in different translations, I've started developing specific proverbs that really mean something to me so that I say those every day also. You know, not just when I read that, that Scripture uh, once a month as I'm reading through the book of Proverbs. And so, um, in my reading of these Proverbs Scripture, there's a number of them that have really been speaking to me um, in certain translations about revelation and, and the understanding of revelation in our life. And I'm going to read these two to you right now, and they're, they're found in Proverbs 24, one of them is. And verse 5, and it's in the Passion Translation, and it says this, Wisdom can make anyone into a mighty warrior, and revelation knowledge increases your strength. In the same chapter, in verse 13 and 14 in the Passion, it says this, Revelation knowledge is a delicacy, sweet like flowing honey that melts in your mouth. Eat as much of it as you can, my friend. For then, for then, he said, you will perceive what is true wisdom, your future will be bright, and this hope living it within you will never disappoint you. 
For then, I'm going to read this, that last part again, you will then, as you have, have taken in and eaten and digested revelation knowledge, then you will perceive what is true wisdom, your future will be bright, and this hope living within you will never disappoint you. Everybody say never. That means that didn't leave anything out. In other words, you'll never be disappointed another day in your life when you are living your life digesting revelation knowledge. Digesting it. So today, I want to... I'm, I'm literally just talking from an elementary perspective on righteousness. I mean, I, I've got so many notes to go deeper and to talk about things, but I, I, feel like, I feel like what God keeps saying to me, it's so important that we just stay really, really simple concerning what righteousness is. Because I'm convinced... Because of the state of our country, the, the, the condition of a lot of people that I know in the church world, people don't know and understand what true righteousness is in the light of what Jesus accomplished. So I'm just taking that to say that you don't and I don't understand righteousness the way we need to understand it. So I'm talking to you from a very elementary perspective that this is life and death. What we're teaching on Wednesday night concerning the Holy Spirit is life and death. Understanding, having an understanding of who the Spirit of God is and what He is here to do in us and in our lives, it's vital. It's the difference between life and death with people. I don't, I just don't, I'm just not going to live my life with a bunch of head knowledge about truth from the Word and it not working every day in my life. And where it's not working in my life, it's challenging me to work in my life. Where it's not working in me, it is challenging me to change the way I think and the way I operate until I change. Like it said in that verse in Proverbs 24. Digest, take in, swallow, eat as much as you can of revelation knowledge. Then will you operate in wisdom when you make decisions in life. Right? Then you'll be successful and you'll, you'll have a hope and a confidence that will never disappoint your life. So many people I know are disappointed all the time. From one disappointment to the next. I'm talking about Christians. Shouldn't be that way. I'm telling you today, this truth about righteousness is a key element to your being able to be victorious and overcome every obstacle, every situation, every, all dismay in your life, every time that something comes to you that you didn't expect, when situations happen that you didn't expect, the tendency is to overreact, get emotional, be frustrated, you know, allow words to come out of your mouth because You've not developed and trained yourself to shut those things down and take authority over whatever comes your way. Something bad happens, some situation comes to you, you can't just say, oh no, I, I ignore that, I, I, I deny that. No, you're lying. It's real. But you can overcome that because He's got your back, He's got your side, He upholds you with His righteous right hand, and at His right hand is riches and honor and glory. He'll make sure that you're seen through, but you have to trust Him. So today I, I, I want to just go through a few verses of Scripture and then look at a couple others that we didn't 
that we've not looked at yet. In this series, I really encourage you to go back and listen to these words because they're, they're life to you. Proverbs, um, I'm in the wrong one. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. I'm going to read this today out of two different translations. New King James first. For he made him, the Father made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. I feel like that the next translation in the New Living Translation, I, I feel like they, they hit the bullseye on this. And, and I want to look at one word twice in the same verse. This is 2 Corinthians 5.21 in the New Living Translation. For God made Christ, God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Everybody say made. He didn't just take sin upon Himself, our sins. He was made sin with our sin. So that we could be made right with God. My verse of Scripture that I was reading out of Malachi, will a man rob God? What's the answer to that question? <laughs> Up to you. Number one, you've got to know that that's true. Number one, you have to be convinced of that. But will a man rob God? It's up to you. But the truth is, on this side of the cross, He has made you right no matter what you do. Before you do anything wrong, the, the next thing you do wrong, He already sees you right. He already sees you right. Jesus was made so that we could be made. He was made sin so that I could be made right. So if I'm already made right, then there's not anything else that has to be put in the oven or in the bowl and mixed up and made all these pieces gone together so that I can be right. I've already been made right. And whether I walk in that right or not is my choice. And the only thing that will create effective choices in life is to have revelation knowledge. Because if I don't digest the word that I hear preached, this word I'm preaching to you today, it will not do anything for you if you don't do anything with it. I'm right. You're right with God, and you have to see yourself that way. I want to read a passage out of Matthew 27, about five verses out of Matthew 27, right at the end of Jesus' life here, right at the end of His life. And I want to show you something that I believe is key. Years, years ago, and I didn't even understand what we were dealing with, but years ago in the church that I was raised in, uh, well, or, or that I was connected with, people were having this, these, these fights and arguments over whether Jesus died spiritually. And I mean, people wrote books on it, People bashed people that talked about Jesus dying spiritually. And, I, and I, I remember as a young Christian thinking, what the hey? You know, I mean, what? I mean, what, what is the fight over? I, I didn't even understand it at the time. But I realized that the people that were against Jesus dying spiritually didn't understand this. 
And I want to show you something that happened to Jesus right at the end of his life while he's still on the cross and the words that he used. It's vital that we understand them. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, this is Matthew 27, 45. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, something like that. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A lot of people, and and I'm using examples of things that I've heard, okay? I know that a lot of people think that what Jesus was talking about right there had to do with what God allowed to happen to him physically. There are a lot of people that believe that. Why have you forsaken me? Why didn't he say that after they had tortured him with all the tools? We, We have a great visual of that with the passion of the Christ and what, he was, what was done to him and, and, and his, his mutilation. But I've made this point last week. I don't feel like even what happened, what we saw in the passion of the Christ even did justice because Isaiah said he was unrecognizable. And so a person can think right here that what he's talking about is what happened to him physically. Listen to me. What happened to him physically was the greatest injustice to a human being ever in the history of the world. Ever in the history of the world, what happened to him. Nobody was beaten like him. The worst murderers and sinners and of every kind were not tortured like Jesus was tortured. But what he died spiritually and the separation from God that he experienced spiritually... What happened physically was no comparison to what happened to him spiritually because of what he took upon us. Watch what he says. Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Yeah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and He yielded up His flesh. He gave up His spirit. See, Jesus was born again. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the person, the third part of the triune being, was filled with the Holy Spirit like you and I are. And He gave it up. He was separated from God. And when you read on in that passage, you see that right then, all kinds of earthquakes happened. The the temple was torn in two. It was separated because what happened was Jesus himself was separated from God Almighty so that you and I could be free. People don't know the depth of what he paid for for you and I to be free. He didn't just die for us physically. Stripes on His back were for our sins and for our sicknesses in our physical body. Everybody say amen to that. Everybody say, I'm the healed in Christ Jesus. Amen. But I am saved today because of His spiritual separation from God, going to hell and leading captive those who had been in a place of kind of rest or, or, or not knowing where things were, what was going to happen, but the people that, who were on the fence, he led out of captivity into a place of captivity, the, the Bible says, in his presence. And these people were led into heaven. Up until that time, all the people that had lived before, nobody was in heaven. And now, because of this separation from God, you and I are in a position to be able to receive everything that He says about us. When I read to you that Malachi chapter 3, there are people say, ah, that's all under the law. That doesn't mean anything. Tithing's a joke and all this kind of stuff. Did you, read, did you hear me read that God said, I never change? He tithed, he, he, people tithed before the law. They tithed during the law. They tithed after the law. 
And it's just my choice. I choose not to be a God robber. I just choose that. But I don't choose that out of guilt and put that kind of guilt on somebody else to like that they're robbing from God. No, I just read that myself. It's the reason I never pre- Very rarely anybody in here ever heard me preach that. Because I didn't feel like that related to us. But now I see that when I look at it myself, I've made the choice not to be that. I've made the choice not to be cursed financially and under that, those kind of things. Jesus became that curse. So can I just go and do whatever I want to do and go against the Word and be blessed? No, no. But He still loves me. He still accepts me. I can do whatever I want. And however long it takes me to get there, He's with me. He's with me. His mercy and grace are there for me. However long it takes me to get to a place of knowing what's right and doing what's right. But listen to me. I can say this in my own personal life after 45 years of salvation. I want to do right more than I want to do anything else. I can't stand the thought of not doing right. I can't stand it. When I know I've done, I don't care. You've heard me tell all my goofy stories about, you know, being, getting mad at people that cut me off in traffic and talking to people on, you know, phone lines and when I'm trying to get some answer about some account or whatever and I can't even understand them and mad and get, you know, I, I mean, I, I did all that kind of stuff. And I had to repent for years and years. Had to call companies back where, you know, they, they, there's no way you can get the same representative that you talked to before, but somehow I got them <laughs> and had to repent to them because of my bad attitudes. I've learned those things. And now I'm slow to speak. But first, I'm quicker to listen than I am to speak. I want to do what God wants me to do and never do what my flesh wants. I want that so bad I can't tell you. And it's because I stayed with the principle of learning the truth of God's Word, getting revelation knowledge, digesting revelation knowledge, and from revelation knowledge, having wisdom how to overcome and deal with every situation that I face. I'm telling you, it's a life that God intended for us to live, but I'm just saying, it's your and my choice. I have to say that I can't say that just everybody wants to do what's right. They want to do right in some things, but not the difficult things that really put them under pressure. That's not me. And I can't preach that. And I can't preach something that's lighthearted. I can preach that God loves you, and I, and I love you, and I'm not judging you like I've got it all right, not even for a second. But if it wasn't being developed, if I couldn't tell you if I couldn't stand up here and say to you that I want to do right more than anything else and that my life has made leaps and bounds and turnarounds of things that where I struggled doing right and today I'm doing right. If I couldn't say that to you, I couldn't preach this because I'd be lying. Yeah, it sounds good. I heard somebody else preach it and then I'll preach it and yeah, but then I'm not going to live that way. Oh, that's a dangerous place to live. Dangerous. God wants you and I right, and He wants us doing right every day of our life. Amen? But He wants us to want to do it. <clears throat> he wants us to want to. I have kind of a new definition of righteousness today. It's some of the same. Starting out with the first three words that are the same. Doing what's right, or being right, Being innocent from a heart free of guilt, sin, and shame. Doing what's, what is right, or being right, and being innocent from a heart that is free of guilt, sin, and shame. Everybody say innocent. Yeah. Innocent. I, 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 I like... I like cop shows, and I like, I like Blue Bloods. Anybody watch Blue Bloods? <laughs> I like Blue Bloods because I, I like 
I like Frank Reagan, <laughs> Tom Selleck or whatever. I like them. But, you know, a lot of times in those shows, they're in the courtroom. And in the courtroom, and I mean many, many shows, in, in, a, in the real courtrooms of life, you know, in here, here at the Kerr County Courthouse or any courthouse across our nation, <clears throat> people come into a courtroom and they plead one way or the other. They plead guilty or innocent, right? And then it has to be proven, the lawyers go into action, it has to be proven, are you guilty or are you innocent? And um, just, just leave here today thinking about this. Jesus pled His blood for your and my innocence. And it doesn't matter what the other side says. It doesn't matter how much evidence that they have against you. You're innocent. That's what true righteousness is. But you've got to believe you're innocent if you, don't believe you're, if you don't believe you're innocent, you won't fight for your innocence. Now listen to me. Fighting for your innocence is not trying to justify your wrongdoings. Now, the first element of true victory over things that are not right in, in your and my life is to admit it and to repent and truly change. And repentance is not just, oh, I'm sorry, I repent. It's definitely not being sorry. Because a lot of times people are sorry when they get caught for things. But true innocence is the result of knowing what I've done that's wrong, knowing what he's done that is right, and receiving what he's done for me and empowering me to shut down the wrong. And that's what takes time. So I don't care if you have to repent a bunch of times. True repentance is to turn. That's true repentance. Not just, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it. No, true repentance is to turn. But the true repentance doesn't come until you start practicing being forgiven, showing forgiveness, being truly remorseful for your actions and making changes over time. But however long that takes, you just got to stay with it. And that's what's aggravating with it. That's what's tough about it, is you have to stay with it until you get it. Because I've been made righteous, but I'm becoming righteous by my choices every day. In other words, I'm embracing what He paid for for me, the position that He gave me. I am receiving that and making it a part of my life as I practice it every day. Not something that's easy. <clears throat> the truth is, you can't be innocent and guilty. You're either one or the other. And I'll just have to say, most people feel guilty because of their actions. How could God forgive me? I don't know, but He already did. Before you made your screw-ups... He already forgave you. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and you know, with some people, this kind of teaching is very scary because I, if I've been told once, I've been told I don't know how many times, yeah, but if you tell people that, you give them a license to do what's wrong. You don't need a license. You don't even need permission. You're going to screw up and do wrong if that's what you want to do. You're going to do it no matter who's around. And, and maybe not when people can see what you're doing, but you'll do it behind the closed doors. You'll make a way. If that's what you want to do, you'll do it. So 
I'm totally against that mindset. But if you tell people that they're truly this free, that God's truly done this for them, that God's not holding accountable, He's not seeing them through their mistakes, that it's going to give them a license to screw up and make mistakes. No. They've already been doing it. So if, if they haven't thought this way and they've been screwing up, maybe thinking this way will help them overcome. No, it will. It will. Not maybe. It will. It will. But you have to see yourself that way. Say it. I'm innocent. <laughs> I am innocent. I mean, just close your eyes just for a moment and think just for a minute. Don't, don't spend much time on it because you're going to cast all those thoughts away. But think of some screw-ups that you've made. Just sit there and think of some really ugly, stupid, you know it's wrong, you know these things are wrong, you know what you did was wrong, you know it. Now look at me. You're innocent. You're innocent. Oh, great. Ah. Now I don't have to pay for what I did. No, I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. So, best example is if you murdered somebody. Um, I got a better example. Uh, we had somebody here uh, a few months back, and they had come here sent by somebody that I knew in another city. And this person was raised here, grew up here, and got in a lot of trouble when they lived here. And this person came. He was sitting in here on a Sunday morning. These people told me they were, he was going to come. After the service, I spent about probably 45 minutes out in the foyer with him, and we talked. He told me, you know, the things that he had done, but he had been convicted because of a person that used to be in our church that moved out of town, this person was raised with this person that, li- that was in our church. And the, the guy that showed up on the Sunday morning had gone to this person in the other town and said, I need help. And he said, well, when you get back to Kerrville, you need to go to Gates because that's why I'm where I'm at today because of what they taught me at Gates. That's what the person told him. And so he came. He said, I came because I told my friend. I said, I don't want to come. But he said, this is the best thing that ever happened to me today. And he said... I've made some mistakes, some legal issues, some things that I know are not, that, that I'm not sure what they're going to do, but he said, I'm turning myself in or I'm, I'm going and telling them that I did wrong. And so he was supposed to be, he's, he was supposed to work with Brian that week. He was supposed to call Brian and work with him and do some other things and be at a men's meeting or whatever. We didn't hear from him for I don't know how many days. Finally, a relative of his got word to us that he had been put in jail because of him turning himself in and admitting that he was wrong. It looked, didn't look good in the natural to him because of what they, it looked like they were going to throw the book at him and maybe be in jail for a good period of time. And um, I just, I couldn't talk to him for a while. And I think, Brian, did you talk to him? Yeah, you, Brian talked to him and, uh, and, and got some word to him that we're praying for him and standing, believing for the favor of God in this whole thing. And long story short, about a month later, he shows up back in church, and I said, here you are. He said, I got out, and he said, it was only prayer. He said, I don't know how I got out. He said, I don't know how it happened, but they dropped everything. I said, dropped everything? How many, you ever been involved with the law? They don't drop nothing. You understand what I'm saying? Unless people pray. And that guy's not here today because he made some real mistakes with his family that lived in another town, and he went to make those things right. And I don't know what's happened as a result of that, but I'm just saying. You're not going to get off because you made one mental thought and idea that, okay, I need to stop doing what I'm doing. No, that's not enough. And if you made mistakes... Many times there are consequences for those mistakes. But what happens is, like his situation, when you start putting your trust in God and you start believing God, many times, I'm not saying every time, but many times what should happen to you doesn't happen to you because of the favor of God. The Bible says we have favor like a shield 
because of our God, with God, and with men. We have favor. And when you start realizing that you're innocent, no matter what you've done, and you begin to see that, a lot of the things that held you back begin to fall away. That's why I'm teaching this message. That's why I'm encouraging you concerning this. Can you say amen to that? In um, 1 John, we read this last week, but I'll read it again. 1 John 1. Um, And and before I read this, and as we're reading this in 1 John 1, starting with verse 5, just, just remember this. Like, like this guy that came in here. He went and pled guilty. Okay? He pled guilty. But at the same moment when he's pleading guilty, he's admitting to his wrongdoing. Instead of holding on to that and running from it, the moment that he pled guilty, uh, guilty and admitted to it, The blood of Jesus is crying out and screaming out, I'm pleading that you're innocent because you're mine. And you made the mistakes as a result of your ignorance. He wasn't saved. He didn't know God from a man in the moon. He said because of the ignorance in your life and not knowing certain things, I'm telling you, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve the jail time because my blood has pled innocent for your life. Yet in this life, because of circumstances and things that happen to us, then we have to pay the penalty for those. Go back to somebody that's committed murder and they're on death row. And they killed people and they did all those things. And, and, and let's, say that it was, let's say it was somebody that you knew or somebody close to you that they killed. Hear me. They're still innocent. That doesn't make sense. I declare that's not happening to me or anybody close to me. Can you say amen to that about your, your life? Why? Because the angels of God. Because of the promises of God. I'm saying that's not happening to me. But what if it did? What if it, I'm saying just for example's sake... What if it did, because it was close to you, are they guilty? Yes, concerning the courts and what they did in the natural? Yes, guilty. But in the eyes of God, through the blood of Jesus, innocent. No human being that was created in the image of God, every human being was created in the image of God, so no human being that commits murder did that filled with the Spirit. Walking around with the awareness of righteousness. Not one. I said not one. When I say filled with the Spirit, I didn't mean that just one initial, they got baptized in the Holy Ghost 25 years ago and now they shot somebody because they've not spent any time with God. I'm talking about somebody that's filled up that knows who they are in Christ, knows they're the righteousness of God, and they're walking in it day to day, you're not going to murder. So what God says is, you're innocent because you don't really know what you were doing. Oh, he knew exactly what he was doing. No. Not where God's concerned. That's how real this is. I'm, I'm, I'm using these examples to drive this home that you are innocent So let's not just be innocent, let's walk in that innocence, and let's walk in the righteousness, and let's live our lives doing what's right, because He's right, and because He's given us that ability to do it. That's my challenge to you today. So anytime that someone else says you're guilty, and God says you're innocent, It's His blood and what He's done for us that empowers us to fight for our innocence. 
and everything that, everything that that entails. And 1 John 5 is so elementary and simple in how we're to fight. Verse 5, this is the message we've heard from Him and we declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all in Him. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie. I want you to see the absolutes right here. Would you say that murdering somebody would be darkness? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you say, someone says, yeah, but you know, he was a Christian, he was a spiritful Christian. Not that day he wasn't. Hmm? Not the day he pulled the trigger on somebody. No, not that day. Mm -mm. You can't be filled with the Spirit. Watch, watch what he, he, he tells you. He tells you what you're doing. He said, we say that if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie because we're not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses me from all sin. Cleanses me from everything. Watch. That's not all. He's got something else to say about it. If we say that we have no sin, that's stupid. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us because the truth will show you all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But do we stop there? Absolutely not. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if I'm living my life daily and I'm not afraid of confessing my sin, admitting to where I'm wrong, saying, you know what, this isn't right and I want this thing out of my life. I don't care what it takes. Just your declaration of that cleanses you from all of unrighteousness because you're already cleansed. See, if you're cleansed of all unrighteousness, then what's left? Righteousness. Innocence. Truth. I mean, what's left? But see, here's the process, and I don't know about you, but I had to spend time in the process. I'm telling you, 1 John 5, or 1 John 1, 5 through 9, 10, and then the next verse I'm going to read, 2, 1. You need to spend a lot of time in there, and you need to see yourself in there, and you need to see what that looks like, and you need to apply that on a daily basis and learn how to develop that so you make it part of your life. I'm not afraid to repent. I'm not afraid to admit. I'm not afraid to admit that I've screwed up. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit that I've had unforgiveness in my heart toward individual people. I'm not afraid to admit that I've been jealous of other people's success. I'm not afraid to admit that I'm, you know, I, I'm, I, I have had bitterness toward people because of what people have done to me. I'm not afraid to admit it. But you remember what Jesus said when, right before he left here? He said, the devil has nothing in me, has nothing on me, has nothing that he can dangle. You worthless piece of whatever. Problem is, devil's got all kinds of things that he can dangle in front of us, which are our mistakes, because we let him. You need to be telling yourself every single day, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I say a bunch more than that, but I'm innocent and I'm empowered. I'm empowered to do the right thing. I'm empowered to repent for my sins and, and, and things that I do that are not right in the moment. I'm empowered to do that and I'm empowered to make the change and look at the next verse. Or, or uh, second chapter, first verse. My little children. These things I write to you. What things? What he just wrote. First John, actually, just read, just spend some time dissecting 1 John 1, 1 through 10. There's 10 verses. He said here, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, 
I write these things to you so that from today on you'll never sin again. Not what he said. But that's what people think. Well, when I quit screwing up, (laughs) you're never going to quit. You're never going to quit missing it. Ever. You may go to higher levels of missing, you know, of something not being as big of a deal, but you're never in this life, never not going to miss it, yet that's the goal. Because today, in walking in righteousness and walking innocent today, my goodness, I think I can do this. I really think I can do it. I really think that actually a week can go by and I don't have to screw up. Meaning, say the wrong thing, have some attitude, be moved by this, be dismayed because of this circumstance or something that came to you or whatever it is. I actually think, because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't have to miss it. I actually think that today. But if I think that I have no sin, what he said? If anyone's, he said, my, my, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate. What's an advocate? Hmm? It's a lawyer. It's an attorney. Hmm? With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I plead my blood over you. You're innocent. You have an advocate, a lawyer. Shut up, devil. You're already defeated. See, see, when he's your advocate and he's reminding that defeated foe, he's defeated. Ha! 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 ha. Come on, somebody laugh. Come on. He's telling him, shut up on behalf of my boy. Because my boy knows he's free. My, my boy knows he's innocent. He knows it. You shut up. And then when he hears it from him, it's like he doesn't just shut his mouth. It's like four zippers go over his mouth. And that's what my advocate, that's what my attorney's doing, the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. He's the righteous one. How? By his blood. His blood pleads my innocence. Nothing that I've done. Nothing that I have done. I I see it more all the time. And that doesn't make me want to do more wrong stuff. It's not anything that I've done right. You and and I, we, we, we just have to constantly focus on the fact that everything that is at my disposal to be free and to live a free life is because of what he did. That's it. It's because of what he did. And he's empowered me and he's positioned me to be able to live this life of absolute freedom. Can you say amen to that? So I want to end today. I'm going to read my Proverbs 4 verse, as I told you, I'd read it every service, in case you thought I forgot. But I'm going to end with Ephesians 2, starting with verse 4. Just follow with me here. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, boo, He's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised up Christ. As we read earlier, He was separated from Him. And He raised Him up. And they reconnected. He raised up Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms In Christ Jesus. You and I are seated with Him. He is at the right hand of the Father. 
That's where you and I are. Seated with Him. He didn't say under Him. It's not like, you know, we, we got to squeak in underneath Him, you know, and, and I, I'd, I'd rather be that close, but if I sat in His chair with Him, it, it, His presence would destroy me. With Moses, yes. But with His blood coming and cleansing the holy altar, I can sit with him and not be destroyed because he died for me. He positioned me. I'm as right with the Father as Jesus is right. Whoo! You're as right with the Father as Jesus is with the Father. Because of his blood. My goodness. Next verse, a couple of verses down, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God. It's not by works. So that nobody can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God prepared in advance before the foundation of the world that you would walk in those good works and have the ability to do it. Goodness. By grace I've been saved. Not by works. Today He's liberated us and He set us free. Proverbs 4 and 18 in the New Living Translation. The way of righteousness is like the first gleam of dawn. Which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. The way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. It gets brighter and brighter and brighter because the entrance of His Word brings light and life. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's Word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.